0: Welcome to Insights of an Eco Artist. I'm your host, Joana Lacan and today I have with me abstract artist and curator Adriana Pratt, whose practices are rooted in sustainability, both her studio practice where she uses cardboard and reutilized materials, and in her curational practice where she creates exhibitions with eco artists and arranges talks with environmental experts and advocates. So she really tries to bring the issue of climate change to a another sphere so people can actually create a dialogue around it and try to see it from other viewpoints. Adriana has exhibited at multiple galleries and alternative spaces, in both Argentina, where she grew up, and the West, where she has now a studio in Cambridge. And most recently, we also discussed this in the interview, she has an exhibition at a multicultural arts centre in Cambridge entitled Topographies of the Collective Misfortunes. If you are in Boston, go check it out. Otherwise, you can also see it in a virtual exhibition format at the gallery website. I will leave the link in the description below. For now, let's dive into the first part of the interview. To start, can you just speak a bit about your practice?
1: Yeah, well, before anything, I want to thank you. I want to express my gratitude for having me here today. Thank you. I'm super excited, and I love what you do with eco artists. So, thank, thank you, you for having me. Uh, so, I am a non representational artist that ideally loves to paint with oil media, but I'm currently working with acrylic based uh, or acrylics in general. Like acrylic pens or ink pens, and acrylic painting, and there is little planning, <laughs> no planning. And uh, while I paint, I'm meditating on issues that, in general, are issues are resulting from dilemmas. So in the past, I have done it for personal dilemmas, but in recent uh, years, I've been uh, ruminating more on the. Urgency of the climate crisis and uh, the impact, and how the all the ecosystems in the world have to adapt and uh, to what extent. Um, I work, so then driven my my, my emotions mainly, and, um, and but also responding to the physicality of the elements that I use. Uh, so there is a lot about you know being open to the happy accidents and typically you know open to the, the chance component. Uh, although at a certain point I introduce you know my mark making that is more specific that is a result of my response to whatever happened before in the textural portion of my painting process and I have a strong i'd say hunger for color and texture so that's in a nutshell like but one aspect that I would like to mention is um, and uh, like in many other aspects of my life, I deal with dilemmas right. So one of my big dilemmas is what materials to use in my practice. So everything is more environmentally sustainable. And uh, in this spirit of the five R's that we all know, right, of reusing, repurposing, (laughs) reducing, uh, recycling, refusing. I paint on cardboard, corrugated cardboard uh, from packaging materials. And uh, I I also use reject. Uh, or repurposed canvases that sometimes are mine on canvases from the past. Uh, I, I, I'm even painting sometimes on canvases that I used when I was taking classes in adult <laughs> <center>. <laughs> so, uh which I find fascinating. I, I love the energy that the paintings uh, build and uh, or the personality. Uh, but sometimes I find them on the curb or I treat them uh, in the art stores. So I... Have followed now for a number of years what I call my personal manifesto, if you will, (laughs) in which I try not to use anything that is not in the uh, studio. So I use things that are from the studio and I minimally go and consume new materials. So, because I I believe that, you know, climate crisis uh, is such a, a moral and ethical obligation that we have for the future generations and for the other species that happen to be, you know, coexisting with us (laughs) on planet Earth. Uh, So I think this is, by by doing or trying to find new ways or different ways or more sustainable ways to introduce into my art practice, I feel that, you know, I I go into that direction uh, of halting my environmental impact in the world.
0: And do you feel any difference about painting in cardboards and painting in linen? Do you feel any difference?
1: In, in, in canvas uh, On Canva, yes, yes. I have to say that many times, the, the I'd say the, the end result, it's, uh, it's a bit driven, you know, by, by that, because as I said, I respond to whatever is happening. So sometimes I find myself using more layers and even more, um, the, the, the acrylic that I use on cardboard is so um, ethereal almost. It's like, you know, it's almost like watercolor mm-hmm. and I layer it a lot. And sometimes because I'm using acrylic so to prime them just to make sure that, you know, there is no effect and that's the part that is not very sustainable, but, you know, what I'm willing to, to sacrifice And I don't use a lot, but anyway. So sometimes the the layers of uh, a very thin layer of acrylic doesn't really cover that that other layer of acrylic. So and it creates interesting patterns uh, or you know or forms and shapes that I I really love. Whereas with canvases, sometimes because you know the canvases uh, it has a texture, but I tend to cover it more. So and when I use canvases, sometimes then I or I, I. I go into the oil, uh, especially if I find canvases on the street. I feel that just in case I use oil because I don't know what, what was there before. Uh, so just in case to make sure that the painting is is more, I don't know, you know, has a longer or less chances of new mm-hmm. crack, whatever. Although it's true that I'm, I'm always talking about the fact that I feel that we shouldn't be so um so attached attached, to the longevity uh, of a painting because sometimes people ask me oh you're used cardboard but cardboard is and and i tend not to frame them i refuse to frame them and uh, i say i mean who i mean i i don't mind much the longevity of an object of art because i'm doing this it's a trade-off for the longevity of the, the planet it's like in a world that is in a way rapidly expiring due to all the things that humans have been making since industrial times. It, it, you know, I, I think that the longevity of an art uh, piece, it, tends to, it could be irrelevant to a point, yeah.
0: So you don't mind that painting on cardboard, my your paintings, your work might be destroyed easily than if it was on canvas? Do you document it quite well?
1: I document well, and I try to, obviously, uh, the fact that it's cardboard doesn't mean that I treat them, you know, like cardboard on the street. I mean, I I treat them well, you know, I try to, you know, avoid moisture and cover them with plastics, you know, and, and things like that. But I, I don't treat it like a piece of, from a museum. It's like, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's like family, but and family, you know, you touch them, you are with them, you live with them, and um, try to to be careful, but uh, not to a point in which you know that my life depends on that. It's like mm-hmm. you know, without being casual, I'm not so uptight about about the the materials and about you know the final. And and it could be also how I'm thinking these days. Like I used to crave to go and buy big canvases on the store because let's face it that would be the best uh, way the best material like beautiful canvases you know with thick uh, corners that could look so beautiful in galleries and museums but uh, since I made the switch to be more sustainable I cannot conceive myself going to the store and buying canvases consuming Mm -hmm. canvases thinking that trees are being because of me who wanted to paint the painting (laughs) so that's really how I'm
0: thinking this is and about the choice of materials it's an emotional thing you're just meditating and then you have the color bottles there uh, and you just choose it randomly and according to your emotion or do you have a palette of colors beforehand
1: uh, I used to do a lot of earth, you know, earth colors in the past and a lot of yellow. But uh, lately, I, and I have my face of teal or turquoise, uh, especially with the islands that I can speak to later about. But um, in general, I it's more like, it, for example, in the setting that I have now in my studio that is a small, I know that I will use certain things That I will start with acrylics and then later on I will move into acrylic pen. Okay. And, and ink or, or water-soluble crayons, and, and introduce more mark making. But it's more like I'm limited by my space, so I very rarely these days go and decide to paint on with oil. I recently had to do something for a jury exhibition that um, I wanted to enter, which I did. Luckily, that it was about immigration. And so I decided to work on oil, on a, a repurposing a canvas that I had. And so I, I did that. And I also work with oil-based markers, but that is more premeditated.
0: Okay. So you grew up in Argentina. What can you tell us about your upbringing and how it affected your current practice?
1: Well, yeah, I, I during my early days <laughs> it's a lot of story. Uh, my father was an electronics, um in, not engineer, but you know, he fits electronic equipment. So he had some US uh or or American magazines. So I came across, you know, those correspondent things that taught you how to draw cartoons and I love these neat characters, so I was like oh my god I will do this I will do this and so I had my my uh, my period of doing all that and I did a lot of craft you know, from magazines or things that I invented I also recall my father who he was a good uh, drawer and he was a, an amazing craft person. And he, but he was what I call an environmentalist ahead of his time. So, from him, he influenced me in uh, valuing nature and caring about other species. He was really like an upcycler, a recycler slash hoarder. But anyway, (laughs) but he, you know, he would manage to, you know, bring from things and upcycle them or doing, I remember him doing lamps out of uh, flasks or, 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 you know, like uh, teens and things that he found on the curb. <laughs> you Not know, what do you find on the curb here in the States? I have to say, it was it looked much more like trash. Uh, but I managed to do a lot. So, he, you know, and, and also, I guess from him, I learned to be curious about the world that surrounded me. And uh, on TV, in those days, I was highly influenced by Carl Sagan. The astronomer. Uh, I used to love to watch his programs, so I was fascinated by astronomy. That I tend to not now be so much. I, I, I guess the planet has so much beauty and so much mystery, <laughs> and so much to, to think about. But in any case, in those days, uh, Carl Sagan, uh, Sagan was my like a big figure, and also Jacques Cousteau. I don't even know if you know <laughs> the the French um, oceanographer. So, those programs really dictated, you know, influenced me a lot. So, I think that because of that, I ended up going into science. Which was pretty revolutionary anyway for my family. But after I moved to the US, I worked as a scientist. That's all I knew how to do. And I, I, although I knew that science wasn't going to be in my long term, um, you know, because it wasn't a passion. So I had to do it a bit, you know, because that's what I knew how to do. And um, I also had a more introspective life here. So I feel that all that and an early diagnosis of a mess that uh kind of was a wake-up call of like you know what are you going to do the rest of your life influenced me rapidly to wanted to become what i <laughs> thought you know was my passion or, or wanted to reconnect with what i think was my passion so i really you know became aware that i wanted to be a, an art so in the beginning i had to work part-time because uh, as an artist, right, because I had a full-time job, but uh, with passion and determination. <laughs> Even, you know, when I was super busy and I was raising a family that luckily was very supportive always of my activities, I was able to become an artist. And because I lived much of my early life under a military dictatorship and a conservative mother that educated me in know very uh, I think that in the past, especially after I moved here, you know, because in the beginning I was not, uh, I, I couldn't vote. I was just an immigrant. I feel that my voice was uh, muffled, censored most of the time, self-censored. So I, but I still feel that you know, for much of my life, I was unable to speak my mind and to you know, to to speak about issues that I care. I guess after I became a citizen. Uh, But especially after I became a full-time artist, it was when I started through my art to speak about the climate crisis and the urgency, and I felt more comfortable. And although, again, I'm very passionate about that, about the climate crisis and trying to inspire change, I feel that I like to inspire change in anybody whose voice seems to feel silent, Uh, people who lack the confidence or, you know, they are afraid to speak.
0: that's just beautiful that's so emotional just to think about that that art in a way gave you the avenue to to speak more and to be confident about speaking your ideas and meditate on your thoughts and I don't know just maybe be a more forward person and create more initiatives because you are also a curator uh, and you collaborate with a lot of artists when artists are able to do that and just work on what they want to work in and express themselves through art and after that have talks with other people and collaborate with other artists just what art is all about and it's just I don't know it's just beautiful I can find another the world. You
1: know, I appreciate that. And do
0: you think being a scientist impacted your artistic practice?
1: Well, in the beginning, I really thought that those two worlds, they yeah. didn't need to touch each other. Uh, yeah. So I always felt that they were not related. And in the I, I was so often very vocal about um, saying that, oh, you know, art is much more liberating that science has to be disciplined and rigorous, and, you know, it's because if you're not rigorous and, and disciplined in science, you know, you, you cannot be successful, right? But uh, the more I I became probably more comfortable with my own skin, <laughs> Um, which was fruit of of a lot of you know work through art or therapy etc and and journaling I became more you know uh, aware that my art is informed by all my experiences not only Mm -hmm. science right but all my experiences including the fact that I'm like cultural you know Latina and now American for more than half my life and also inform my, my former life as a scientist an educator because I I have some a lot of teaching experience eh, with science and, and now as, a, as an artist. But per se, I guess, um, in, for my, my science background, my abstract work tends to resemble topographies that can be evocative or can be imagined as, um, well, I always say microscopic and microscopic. So at the microscopic scale, they resemble the cells of organisms, that I have uh, manipulated and studied for so long, including my PhD research and also the metabolic paths that, uh, or, you know, intracellular structures that I have analyzed and studied. And uh, although at the same time, as I said, while I paint, I have in mind a macroscopic level or, or a world, which is um, makes me think that these forms of topographies are related to or uh, reminiscence of maps, geographies, islands, or even uh, symbolic of the planet as a whole, trying to survive <laughs> in constant struggle to survive.
0: Yeah, you have a series entitled Climate Crisis Maps, Cells, Highlands and the Planet. What can yes. you tell us about the creative process, choice yes. of materials, and final pieces?
1: So, uh, well, that series started while I was in Iceland. <laughs> so yes. much of the, the beginning of the series happened in Iceland. And when I arrived, I was overwhelmed by the beauty of the landscape I imagine the uh, so many stories uh while i was traveling doing a few of the art the the tours you know daily tours that i did i remember the words that the tour guide said many of the tour guys the landscape is in constant evolution and uh, and you you can tell where you're there it's an insular country it's an island (laughs) And, and looking into the island so much whenever I needed to go places and being so involved, like I have w- daily walks in which I could see, you know, the ocean and feel really immersed in this amazing beauty. I, I mean, I rapidly switched the focus of my, <laughs> of my residency, but, but it went through a process of like through my identity, uh, study. I started thinking more about well, you know, all the environmental issues that, in fact, were at the front when I chose to go to Iceland. Because one of the reasons that I chose that place is that um, I admire, you know, what the country does for environmental issues. They, they have so much ahead of, you know, in knowing their- Yeah their in their agendas so um, that is you know how I started to reflect uh, or or I guess orient my thoughts into the environment and the urgency to act which was a personal priority but I haven't you know in the past translated into my art so rapidly I started to do and I guess from the material side I had brought canvas paper that was easy to travel with and that I had inherited from a person from a former co-worker who from Japan, who was coming back to her country, and and she gave me all this. She was an artist too, and she gave me all this canvas paper. So I had all this wealth of canvas paper that I could roll <laughs> into like a yoga, no yoga mat uh, bag, and I'm bringing to the country uh, on my flight. And um, then I had all this acrylic-based or, or water-based. Um, and pens and, and things that you know that I wanted to experiment with. So that's exactly when I started doing all this process that I am describing to you that I do now. And while I'm painting, well, I was painting, right? While I was doing that in, in, in my days in, in Iceland, I was thinking of symbolizing the fighting of, of external and internal influences and demands and how they the lands and the countries and the cells morph and mutate due to constant, you know, human induced exploitation in the case of the maps and islands. But I also remember evoking, while I was meditating, evoking the explorations, which is easy when in Iceland because they talk to you about Julius Byrne traveled to the center of the earth and. <laughs> And you're thinking about, you know, that he actually got influenced by traveling to Iceland and seeing the glaciers and seeing the mountains and seeing and and imagining how you could go to the center of the air. So I remember listening to music and thinking how I wanted to evoke the explorations found in vintage maps, describing itineraries to dig, you know, digging expeditions to exploit the, the vital and finite natural resources like water, fossil fuels, gold, gemstone, you name it, right? Whatever is found underground. And uh, in some cases, also with this series, what I did is introduce some mark-making that is, the way I describe it is that they a, a approximate concentric map. Okay. Uh, as I imagine, you know, land, islands in particular, but, but could be also coastlines. Evolve due to the waters rising right so all that is happening <laughs> through my <laughs> mind and I, I'm also thinking yes some lands and islands are doomed to disappear if the the water keeps on rising so uh, in terms of materials I describe during uh, in Iceland I use this canvas paper right that I inherited but when I came back I switched to repurposed supports. Like, you know, I, I didn't want to continue. So now, my, what I call my climate crisis um, series is, is mostly based on, on these reported materials.
0: Yeah. Do you go on residencies often?
1: Oh, I love to, (laughs) Uh, when I, I want to go back to Iceland, you know, well, as uh, when we are so environmentally conscious, then we start like thinking about, oh my God, am I going to ever travel on a plane again? Uh, And that's something that I have to to live with. I mean, I have a family in Argentina. Um, My father died just before the pandemic. So the last trip that I took was coming back from there to being locked down here. Uh, and since then, I haven't taken a plane, uh, but I suspect that it will take a while until I do, <laughs> because it's like, you know, to budget that, uh, it has to be well justified. And my sister yeah. is waiting for me, and I have nephews and family, but uh, with the same uh, mindset, I love to go on uh, on residencies. But I feel that the state of mind that I achieve there in Iceland, although it was highly induced or influenced by the environment, I think that you could do it. It's if you, you know, focus, you can do it in other places. And there are residences, you know, in the country that I could take a plane, I mean, a train or no walk, which is what I do. <laughs> you go to most places. I walk everywhere, Joanna. But I, I don't know. if you know, right now, because I'm so busy with a number of other things. I'm not thinking about that, but I think it's very rejuvenated, uh, you know, rejuvenating to connect with other artists, Mm. to see their perspectives, you know, to to be stimulated with other people and other places and and really focus because that's really what I remember. It was beautiful. I mean, I loved it.
0: Do you prefer being in a studio with other artists or is that something you don't enjoy? Ah.
1: In the past, I have tried to work with others and um, I find my, it's funny, I, I could talk with you forever. I mean, mm-hmm. a studio spaces, I'm pretty quiet. <laughs> I like to be like, you know, oh, yeah, or choose my time. Like, you know, I even be like, oh, painting and talking about whatever. But right now I don't dislike the being alone. I connect with so many other people in other ways that I think it's it's okay. You know, it, it it's fine. It brings. It's good. It's like you know. Sometimes uh, it still happens that you know we could feel judged by others. Like oh, you know. So I think that it's good to you know to be focusing oneself you know on your own work. And so if there are things that we are not super happy, we feel like oh you know I could paint it, I could toss it, I would, whatever. Not toss it, but you know, pin over. Um and um yeah, without. Not that I'm afraid to be influenced, but it's like you know, I, I work well uh, alone. Maybe because I, I grew up kind of like a single child. I have a sister that is much older than me. I, I don't dislike it. I mean, if I have to work in an environment with others, of course. Even in Iceland, I had. I was working in my own studio. It, it was the place where I had my. It was my bedroom.
0: Okay, uh, it was closed. It wasn't an open studio.
1: It wasn't an open studio. We did have interaction. Like, you know, I invited other artists to come to my bedroom, (laughs) see my my wall. It was beautiful because we had this wall where we could pin things. And we had a beautiful work table, you know, by the window. And because it was in May, the day was pretty much all day. (laughs) Like, you know, it was, you had to force yourself to go to bed because it was, you know, at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. was still light. So a, a beautiful light to work, and, and a beautiful environment. And we had we met at the kitchen, and we have conversations, and, and we talk about uh, what places we were going to visit. Or we tried to consolidate trips. So I did a lot of those with some other people. It was fantastic. Yeah. I said it many times and that was many Sounds time. like it. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So your practice is rooted on being sustainable and your life is rooted also in lifestyle and being more sustainable. How do you implement this line of thought, both on your life and on your practice? I know you talked a bit about repurposed materials.
1: I think we do- so let me let me start by maybe my life. So I told you about my art, what I try to do, and that I try to apply to every aspect of my life. So in order to be more sustainable, I like to be more, you know, uh, to consume less. I choose choose to be frugal. I choose to without being, you know, insane because we could become insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, trying to, you know, it's a. After all i'm here i'm not in the middle you know of the mountains of the grid i'm still you know a human being in a city <laughs> so but i try to be frugal uh, i avoid consuming things just because i always ask like do i need this if i'm even tempted to to buy for example one thing that i love i love our clothes and uh especially well made you know beautiful garments which in addition of being more expensive in general (laughs) you know it's like why why do i need that so um if anything i try i try to thrift but above all i try not to consume more and and i apply this also to my food like i'm a vegetarian for for a number of years now for like 20 i would say i also I like to apply what Michael Pollan, the journalist who has been essential or, I don't know, timely. I mean, his his uh, books have been uh, tremendous, uh, you know, opportunities for learning about, you know, how to better be about food in our know, relation. For food, Uh, in his book "Food Rules," he has these three um, main—I mean, it's a whole book about the three rules. But anyway, but the main thing is like eat food, which means eat things that are not industrially, (laughs) you know, manipulated, like Mm -hmm. something that you can recognize that your grand, grand, great grandmother would recognize as food. That would be the rule number one. Then you have the rule number two: is mostly plant. Oh no, no, sorry. The second rule is not too much which is the, the one about being more frugal. And the third one is mostly plants. So I try to apply that and I try every opportunity that I have because I'm also a certified holistic health coach. So I, I, I learn also more about, you know, more natural ways of, of eating. So I try to eat local, you know, from local vendors and trying to avoid industrially made food. Uh, so I, I walk, I told you I walk a lot. During the pandemic, I refused even to take, you know, public transportation. So I I have, I mean, I walk everywhere, uh, which limits me sometimes. But uh, we have a car. I don't use it a lot, unfortunately. Uh, You know, my husband has to use it. But he, I'm I'm trying to influence him to buy The next car has to be electric. (laughs) And, uh, you know, those type of, you know, things that we can do. So, but I also... That not necessarily is more sustainable lifestyle, but is about, you know, introducing the climate crisis into my life and into the life of others is to try to talk about it, try right? to normalize the conversation about it. And with that, for example, in my website, I write a blog in which I write a lot about sustainable practice or, or way or, or climate crisis in general and in addition of talking about my art, right, or art in general, I try to avoid the politicization of the climate crisis, although I, through my vote or, or writing to, you know, local or national uh, government, I, I make them accountable. Uh, I look carefully where I put my money, which I guess is related to the food or, or whatever I consume, but also about the institutions that I support. So I support some environmental organizations. I try to be engaged and try to read as much as possible and read, read books or read articles or reports from the UN. or <laughs> listen to podcasts like, like yours. <laughs> uh, I'm being informed about, you know, the climate crisis or about uh, the environmental, you know, aspects of it or how I can improve. And, and there are so many d- dilemmas, right? So I try to, you know... To make better better decisions, but again, I mean it was it was not always like this, but I'm trying to to do to do more and more you know as time passes and uh, as, as opportunities and uh, and um, information is more available and I try also to spend time in nature. Luckily, I'm in a place that is beautiful in Cambridge, the part of the greater Boston area. I'm close to uh, next to the Charles River. I'm right next to the ocean, or I have the ocean close by. I can walk to the ocean. In fact, and um, the, the, the sea, the mountains, walking, especially in nature, reminds me of what I'm trying to save, what I value so much, and I'm trying to save. So I talk a lot about my life, <laughs> what I do with my life. But again, those are rules or, or, or personal rules that I apply then with my art. And uh, obviously, my curating uh, shows, you know, that are, um, related to the environment, um, is, is part of it.
0: Yeah. Can you speak a bit more about the creation parts of your practice? You actually have an exhibition coming up with 16 eco-artists.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, well, it's a very thrilling aspect of what I'm doing these days. So part of my curatorial activity, I'm actually actively working on a series of exhibits, group exhibits, uh, from, um, if you't me we are 17 I'm counting because I'm, you know part of the, the idea is to to have more artists so it's, it's a group of artists that are multidisciplinary the, they, they are we are from Massachusetts, from Pennsylvania and New York. The group is called Inspiring Change for Climate Crisis or I3c. For short, it evolved from a group of five of us who uh, show at the Multicultural Arts Centre here in Cambridge early in the pandemic and later on expanded to a group exhibit of 10 people at the Gallery of Honey Jones Studio, Uh, also, as I said, also in Cambridge. That took place late late last year when the pandemic was starting to open we had a big exhibit that had very nice attendance so it was conceived as an evolving and ongoing project and the mission of this series of exhibits is to inspire awareness and action for the climate crisis which is stressed by a whole bunch of engaging events uh, involving the community such as virtual panels uh, that we do with climate crisis advocates, the artists, and uh, of course the community, and related workshops uh, that show you know practices from the different artists, so really, my expectation is that more artists are going to join the roster of artists uh, that we have now uh, you know uh, when time allows, uh, with a special interest, especially for artists that are using sustainable practices. That's really, you know, where my focus is. Although um, the artists are from different, you know, different art processes that if you want, I can talk about.
0: This is an exhibit that is a moving exhibition, right? Different places.
1: Yeah, the way, the way it's working is, uh, well, we have, um you know, now we will have the, the third iteration. So the way it's going to occur, depending on the space, right, we will add, what, what, there are two or three things. One is that I want to add members of, of the community of the venue that, okay. uh, where we exhibit it. Yep. One is because we want inclusion and also because there are artists who are doing, you know, things that are related one way or the other to the habitat or to the sustainable practices. So I want to honor that. And also depending, obviously, on the space, you know, some venues are bigger, some venues are smaller. So depending on that, we may have a fluctuation of, of uh, artworks. But in general, the idea is to have like a meeting around, if you will, exhibit like a performance <laughs> in which, you know, the audience will change, and um, but the message remains, and, and the main actors, the main artworks uh, uh, will be consistent. Yeah, that that will be the idea.
0: That sounds amazing. Do you already have places that you're going to exhibit in, How how are we going to spread that to the public? Do you have any ways of spreading that? Yes,
1: I want to say stay tuned. I have a lot, (laughs) but I think the best way is probably to say stay tuned (laughs) because the exhibits are coming soon. I mean, this summer... We have already one line up, but there is an event uh, for a a speaking event happening in June that is tied to my solo show that I haven't talked, but I can talk about. And so soon there will be more information in my website where I put everything you know, fresh from the oven, so to speak, and uh, otherwise it will be in the websites of the venues, but places that I can name Unbound, Visual Arts uh, here in Austin, the Belmont Gallery of Art in Belmont, uh, which is a city or a town related to the greater Boston area. Uh, later on, we will have Brick Bottom Art Association Gallery. Uh, we may have Honey Jones again. We might have the Piano Craft Gallery, but all that is still t- TBD. And I'm applying yep. to other places, including museums. So we will see how that goes.
0: Enjoying the show? Supporting size of an eco artist on Patreon for bonus resources, access to our private community, and more. How do you think your curational practice influences your artistic practice
1: oh well if anything else is super inspiring it's very very inspiring Uh, and we were talking before about you know connecting right not being in our studio so this is exactly the right uh, activity you know to to the anti, you know, being in, <laughs> in your own shell yeah. uh, remedy. So, because first of all, in addition of the exceptional art that the I3C artists have, they are diverse in art in backgrounds, right, in, in, in their lives and in their art practices. Uh, but they share a personal, uh, very strong commitment to the cause of the climate crisis. So uh, what I like is that the art processes or or, pra- uh, or visions vary. So some of them are celebrating the beauty of all inhabitants of our ecosystems, like species that are at risk of extinction, for example, or some are depicting idealized visions of, of interspecies harmony <laughs> if you will some others are exploring um, topics that are related to the environment like like consumerism for example all the impacts of you know the natural disasters that are related to to the weather right the, the changes in weather and uh, many of the artists are using repurposed or rejecting materials mm-hmm. and decreasing waste. Uh, and you interview one of them. Sarah Mears friend yeah, is yeah. one of the artists that we have in the I3C. That I'm very proud that she's uh, new to the to this uh, group, but uh, pretty soon she will be showing. So that's awesome. So all of this to promote sustainability versus consumerism in the art practice. So being related to this group uh, and actually being <laughs> related to them, I'm finding new artists. You know, going to exhibits and I'm. Um, um, I'm being, you know, having those very key conversations in which I feel the connection at the personal level and at the art level uh, really connects me at a higher level with each of them and and others when I talk about the group or during the group exhibits openings or in our meetings. And it bring, brings hope to the cause that we are all fighting for. So it opens conversations for other artists when I talk about this group or the viewers who are not perhaps working on on sustainable practices. So then I find myself, you know, talking about that. And many times people saying, oh, aha, uh-huh, I never thought about that. And um, so it makes them think about how to, you know, to change, which is exactly <laughs> the purpose. So being exposed to the ideas of the I3C artists and their creations, especially for with artists that are, whose practice is pretty much 100% uh, sustainable, uh, pushes my own creativity uh, to move more sustainable practices for myself. And it makes me more proud and it makes me probably more uh, motivated, you know, and, and more effective when I approach venues with my proposal.
0: Yeah, being involved in such a group that the mindset or the goal of their practice is like yours. There's climate crisis and bringing awareness and flourishing conversations about the, the same topic. This sounds amazing. And I think it has to influence your practice because you are interconnected. You, you're talking to artists, you then you go to your studio and ideas flourish from that. Uh, even when you go to an exhibition, if you spend an afternoon going to different galleries near your town. After that, you are always you always have an idea or you get influenced by something. That's a good thing about being exposed to other artists and artworks and practices.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's, exa- what you de- it's exactly as you describe, and it's, it's the ripple effect that I always say, like, you know, it's one thing to the other, right? I mean, in a good way. I touch you. You touch me. I mean, I touch the other person. We both touch another person. It's like you know, it's like the virus, unfortunately. But it's like you know, it, it, it's it's like that. I mean, we cannot avoid. I mean, I guess the virus is is a physical, you know, very not uh, very negative way to put it. But uh, but it's like that. I mean, we touch each other's hearts and, and souls, and and uh, we might say. And by the in the conversation i'm trying to find ways to say things better or more effectively you know that creates really conversation in our heads not only with the others and uh, and then we talk to others and and it's, you know i think that we sometimes underestimate the value of that uh, we take for granted right but if we are really present when we're having a conversation with somebody and, uh, you know, present with all our senses, you know, ideas will flourish about how to better connect with a person or, or with the audience or, or with the viewers or whatever. Whoever is in front of us or surrounding us and It's going to also better um, or stimulate us better to be more creative and more effective and even more strategic, I would say, in, in anything that we want to achieve
0: yeah because other people have other perspectives other backgrounds that influences and even help us achieve uh, better artworks or better concepts and develop better ideas exactly exactly what can you tell us about your upcoming solo exhibition
1: oh (laughs) my (laughs) god it's a selection of my recent oil and acrylic paintings that were inspired by the climate crisis so some of the the paintings that we were talking before, um, some that I uh, started in, uh, or, or conceived in Iceland, but then continue here in my studio, are there. But also, I have a f- few—I mean, it's less than half—paintings uh, that are uh, were inspired during the pandemic, and um, it will be enhanced, this exhibit, by a series of events open to the community and many of them virtual. So one of the things that we will do is on Earth Day, uh, in April 22nd, I will gallery seat, but I will do a bit of a demo there. I guess it's part of a neighborhood. Neighborhood is MIT and some other organizations that are close by because the Multicultural Art Center is really embedded in the Kendall Square area. That is the, the cradle of biotech here. And uh, so I will be at the gallery and I will do a bit of demo of, of, you know, my cardboard pieces. And then we will have a reception in person. Sorry, if you want me to come unless you... (laughs) You're welcome to be here. But we will have on uh, the 5th of May uh, a nice reception from 6 to 8. And then we will have on May 20th a um, artist talk in which I will talk a bit more, probably some things that I, I said here, but I will talk about my inspiration, you know, for these paintings, my art process, and my vision and mission. Uh, then we will have on June 1st an artist talk also uh, online. That will be with some of the I3C artists. There will be a bit of, you know, uh, talking. Each person will briefly describe what they do and why they are engaged in this uh, initiative. And um, we will pr- promote, you know, the upcoming exhibits. This Is online on your website? Yeah, the June 1st will be, yes. Uh, not today, but in the next week, I hope to have even bright, right, events. And also Facebook events created for that, and all that will be, you know, promoted or, or I guess, described, listed uh, in my website or the multicultural website, the multicultural art center website to list all these events, the ones that are applied to my solo show.
0: Yeah, this sounds like a big event with a lot of different initiatives. We must be so so excited.
1: <laughs> I um I um I work a lot, and it doesn't matter how much I work. It, it's always like, oh, something else needs to happen. I think a good thing about my uh, my being a scientist, my former college colleagues and I, we always say that the school where we studied, the the school of exact sciences, exact and natural sciences. Uh, of the university of buenos aires uh, it reformatted our brain you know i don't know how i was before but then every with algebra you know and uh, mathematical analysis and uh, obviously that especially the mathematics which is the thing that attracted me a lot to to uh, science i love mathematics it, it, you know reformatted me that i'm very organized and i'm very intuitive uh, like a project manager right an intuitive project manager right? i, I sometimes i need to even take notes about you know what needs to happen and i know how but um but i do of course so i'm a good planner but but anyway i guess what i was trying to say here is that uh no matter how much i've been thinking about this show and how much i've been planning it there is always something that needs to occur that is last minute but it's exciting the gallery. The good thing also about the multicultural art center and many places that are doing that uh, during the pandemic, where they remain doing that uh, even when you know more people are going to the exhibits, is that they are you know taking wonderful photos of the of the gallery. So there, there is a virtual gallery that looks exactly the, whatever is hanging on the walls. You know, like there are galleries that what they do is they put everything, you know, like thumbnails. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that's okay. But this gallery takes photos of all the different walls. So you feel like you are there. So for you, it would be great. You will not be able to come, but you will see what is there in the gallery.
0: Yeah, it helps a lot. It's like interactive uh, virtual exhibition because the photos are so close together. That's great. I can see your exhibition. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and if you did, don't forget to hit subscribe and follow in your favorite app so that you don't miss upcoming episode. Find the show notes with links and resources at our website and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at dot insights of an eco artist and let us know your takeaway.